0: Once Upon a Time Season 5, Episode 13 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom. We're the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I am joined by a guy who just finished crawling out of Event, but he is no John McClane. He's better than John McClane. And it is Kurt Clark. Kurt, how you doing? yippee KA, Mike Bloom. That is the only <laughs> diehard reference I think we've made on this podcast so far, uh, but I, I have a feeling it will not be the last.
1: It, you know, now that you know the, the, the box has been open we, we we can't we can't put the genie back in the bottle which i think is an appropriate uh metaphor for once upon a time
0: yeah or the or the gruber in the bottle there we go <laughs> the thing some sort of bastardized christina aguilera song but we are not here to talk about die hard that much uh, we are here to talk about the most recent episode of once upon a time titled labor of love which unfortunately was not an episode where hercules had to pick among a myriad of women of the person he should date by giving them clocks and nicknames no it was an episode that continued our search in the underworld our souls of the week are hercules and meg from the disney movie sort of we'll talk about that in a little bit but overall kurt i'd say uh this was i really like this episode i feel like the past two episodes here in the underworld have really given me this old school vibe i don't know are you feeling the same way uh
1: a little bit i mean i think it did continue to go down that road I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week in terms of is it going to be uh you know rescue a soul every episode so far we are going down that track um but i'm not I, I i'm not as convinced as i was that we might be doing that every single episode so i, I it but it, it was a good one it was a fun one
0: yeah, I definitely agree. And maybe it's because we we had some, you know, Mary Margaret action, which we see we've seen intermittently amongst the action going on the past couple of seasons. But this really goes back to, you know, OG Enchanted Forest stuff. We get to see the uh, the, the child slash now teen actress who plays her uh, back, which I loved. I think. A while back when we did our, our child actor power rankings on Once Upon a Time, she was by far the number one spot. So I was happy to see her. But before we jump in here, uh, Kurt, we, we have some corrections to issue from our podcast last week, right? Yes, yes.
1: We, we have this little informal contest where we just got things wrong and see who out there in the listeners would actually win by spotting <laughs> the errors that were completely intentional. Yeah, it was all <laughs> a test to
0: see who was paying attention. Yes, yes,
1: yes. <laughs> The uh I think the, the the first big one is obviously we had several people point this out to us on Twitter as well as in the comments was in regards to I think I was really like kind of getting behind like now do we have to actually watch you know uh them go into the mirror like Snow White go into the mirror and and retrieve or no it was uh, Regina go into the mirror and retrieve her her father from Cora in Wonderland and oh guess what they already did that back in like was it season one.
0: Yeah, I think it was the first Jefferson episode uh, (laughs) where, yeah, so if we remember, and actually this was very pivotal, so I can't believe we both forgot about it. This is where Regina had made Jefferson make the portal into Wonderland and it turns out she was getting her father and so the whole the same number of people yeah. have to enter a portal who leave, and that's why Jefferson gets left behind in Wonderland. So it totally makes sense. Thank you to the myriad of listeners who uh, who pointed that out for us. I'm wondering though, and if we did, we qu- I know we did kind of did a a season one
1: like overarching review back when we kind of binge watched it uh, last uh, two summers ago. Um, did we have questions at the time about how uh, Regina's dad got to Wonderland? Was that we, a-
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we did. But again, that was a kind of a blur of watching yeah. 66 episodes before the new season. So I'm sure it was a lingering question that we had. I don't know if somebody wants to go back and and listen to that, but I'm sure it was something that was just sort of a French question left hanging for a lot of viewers, especially considering they watched this happen, you know, four years ago. So it was nice yeah. to kind of get that that loose end tied up a little bit.
1: Yeah, we, we we put in that that jigsaw puzzle piece that connected some nice pictures, nice pieces, nice parts of the picture. Um, <laughs> and then and also at least uh, in terms of the uh, the opening scene, the, the carnival scene that uh, Emma wakes up in her her yellow bug. Uh, At least I think we had the wherewithal to say this could be referencing something from the series. I'm not exactly sure what, but this could be referencing something. And uh, Jessica Frey uh, hopped onto Twitter and let us know that uh, this is from the iconic uh, scene in Tallahassee uh, between Emma and Neil. So uh, thank you, Jessica Frey, for that uh, heads up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And anything that, that makes us think more about Neil and Emma is perfectly fine in my book, let alone it actually connects to something that carried forward in that scene. So good to know that there there were some connections there. And I feel like the old school connections definitely did not end with, with that episode. Uh, and they're definitely not going to end with this episode. But speaking of openings, let's dive into it here, Kurt. Uh, we'll We'll parse things out in a little bit, but I really want to talk about this opening scene in its own right, because it is very, very interesting. And now, Kurt, we talked last week about how long it would take before we find out where hook is are we counting this considering that they have a map that's now been drawn as to how to get there but the heroes actually haven't come down there yet to where he's being held
1: Uh, no i think we had said uh by episode 17 they will have rescued hook by episode i believe 15 they will have found hook uh this was episode 13 I think we may have actually cut things short. I'm guessing next week they find him. Yeah,
0: Um, uh, if if, if the previews indicate anything. (laughs) Exactly. Uh,
1: So we're actually, I think once again, we uh, drastically underestimated the speed (laughs) by which things happen on Once Upon a Time. (laughs) Yeah, we're ahead of of schedule. (laughs) But at least in episode 13, they have not found Hook. Mm -hmm. So um, they're on their way. They're
0: well on their way. And did we get any sort of clarification as to where exactly he might be? I mean, I think we got a little more scenery last time. We obviously just saw him being bruised and bloodied. I think we got a little bit more of the picture drawn in this episode where it seems like Hades has sort of just been him and his, or his thugs have just sort of been beating, beating him up. And he's held in not necessarily a prison as much as it seems like an underground chamber where Hades just keeps his prisoners that seems to be guarded by Cerberus, though now it seems like Cerberus, unfortunately, kind of holds the big uh, ring of keys, if you will, in terms of having a bunch of different places to guard uh, and, and basically keeping after all of Hades' various holes in the underworld. Yeah,
1: it's like you can have three heads, but you really only have one body. You can only be one place at one time. Um, it's funny because I was actually wondering at the very beginning of this, like, you know, linking it back to Greek mythology. I, I, I had the feeling that this was a prison of that, of Hades, uh, design. Um, knowing that we were going to see Hercules. Uh, in this episode, I was actually wondering at the beginning if this was Meg uh, that was in the in the uh, the, the prison. But I, at the beginning, I was wondering if this was like the labyrinth uh, from Greek mythology and if maybe the Minotaur was uh, going to be play a role. But I know that that wasn't really a part of uh, necessarily uh, Disney's Hercules. Uh, but I believe it was Theseus that had that encountered and, and defeated the Minotaur. Um so I, I, so I wasn't quite sure. Is this a labyrinth? I think that's kind of cool if it was, but we, it does just seem to be kind of a large prison-like complex that is maintained by Hades and guarded by Cerberus, and that if you happen to go in the right direction far enough, you connect to the vast network of tunnels that is underneath Storybrooke, or at least uh, uh, Underworld Storybrooke.
0: Well, I heard that they were going to go with him being trapped in a labyrinth, but then David Bowie unfortunately passed away, and so they couldn't really utilize that theme. Could you imagine if they had a story arc being connected to the myth of Jim Henson's labyrinth? I would be all over that. That was like one of my favorite movies growing up, Uh, and I I feel like it represents the perfect level of like it's a it's a kids movie, but it's pretty dang freaky for a kids movie, especially in the '80s. So I could definitely see those demented puppets being involved in an adult type of scenario with the show.
1: You know what? You can't top the bug of eternal stench. So, but unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, maybe it was too soon after uh, David Bowie's passing to actually move forward with that. So instead, we did kind of get generic. Uh, it's like the open office plan that we have at my office. It's open <laughs> prison, open prison plan, uh where like pretty much anything goes. But uh, they, I guess, they hadn't counted on two people trying to escape at once. Servers can really only handle one at a time.
0: Yeah. So. Hook is there and it's, you know, he tries to escape when this girl in the corner that turns out to be Meg, though. I agree. I I agree with you, Kurt. I know that Hercules and Meg were going to be on this episode specifically, but I had a feeling it would be her. But I'm not entirely sure because they introduce random characters like red shirts only to kill them off. And, you know, we saw that last episode with that random creepy graffiti guy. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, So she she basically is trying to convince him, you know, Hades is a trickster don't do this, but he is hook is very adamant that even though, you know, he did end up killing himself and was imbued with the dark ones powers at one time. He really does feel this connection to Emma. And so they, he does convince her to escape, but then he very quickly realizes, Oh, I really am not in a state to run anytime soon. So he just passes the uh, message along to this girl. hopes she's going to, you know, remember it all and remember who he has, (laughs) who she has to find. And we see three pairs of foreboding eyes, in the darkness though we will not see the monster itself for a long time in a very clover uh, cloverfield type of manner
1: yeah talk about kind of like
0: uh
1: high pressure situation like okay you're looking for a swan emma swan uh my name is captain hook but i'm also known as killian jones um uh just uh just remember those three things and run <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and you're not. it's not like you're emotionally traumatized at all from being down here, so I know you're going to have a perfect memory to remember those things. Yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, I, I also do like the quote here where um, she's, again, she's sort of in her uh, state of despair, which actually connects a lot back to purgatory, that whole idea of those here have unfinished business, but I feel like they're in this eternal state of despair and recognition of their death. But she tells Hook, he wants you to think you can escape, but you can't. No one can. And I feel like that's going to run really corollary to... I've, I agree that it's not going to be a procedural in terms of saving a soul every episode, but it's going to really run parallel to the heroes going along and saving these souls one way or another in terms of these people think they can't be saved, but the heroes will come along and somehow have them finish their unfinished business. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, it, I, I was a little bit surprised about the ending of this, but we'll talk about that when we get to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also don't think this is the ending of them. I mean, There was such big news made out of the casting of these characters. And again, that's happened in the past. Remember, Belle's mother was a big to-do in the news, but she only appeared in literally five minutes of the episode. So far, at least. But I don't know. I feel like with the way they left their story, I feel like it's a little open-ended and that there's potential to bring them back. But we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, I want to talk about all the flashback stuff right here, right now, because while it was important character stuff, I feel like it didn't contribute too, too much to the Main story overall, and this is basically a story of how Snow got her groove back uh, <laughs> through her first mentor slash kind of first crush Hercules, which was really interesting to watch yeah
1: i 'm um, not going to go too much into detail on my questions about the is there an age gap here, and if so, how much because i I had a hard time really kind of gauging the disparate ages here because you know Hercules looked a lot older in. Uh, underworld storybook than he did necessarily in flashback enchanted forest. I, I don't know. Um, and I'm still thinking of, you know, Snow White as the, that child actress that we loved from like, you know, several seasons ago. Um, and so it's, yeah. I, I, but the only thing is at first, like we open up on this on the throne room and we see, and again, I had to say, okay, so, uh, Mary Margaret, uh, sorry, Snow White is still in the good graces of Regina kind of now. At least she hasn't yeah. gone full uh, tracker mode and living with dwarves. Um, but, you know, she's very in this kind of uncomfortable situation where the villagers, there's this bandit that's harassing them and they fear for their lives. And, you know, you know, King Henry is out of town and re- everyone's kind of looking to Snow White and, you know, Regina is completely encouraging this. I had thought initially you know, because we don't really see the gravestone that sparks this whole flashback sequence. Um, but obviously, you know, Mary Margaret recognizes somebody's name. I had thought that this was going to be a flashback that this bandit was somehow the person that she was remembering. That the bandit was maybe a, a Robin Hood-esque type of figure. Where, but yeah, completely not the way that the story ended up going here in the flashback.
0: Yeah, I don't think she has any emotional connection to the uh bandit dead eye. I think his name was Dead Eye. I think they said it once, but he looked yeah, I mean he looked pretty grubby as well. He definitely looked grubbier than the graffiti artist from last episode. So I feel like these one-time characters are getting just dirtier and dirtier. I'm pretty sure by episode 21, the person they're going to have to save is just a pile of dirt. Yeah, <laughs> he he seemed to have a lot more the the
1: um Uh, In in terms of rags covering the body and just kind of being draped everywhere, he definitely was a little bit lower on the uh, dingy scale or higher on the dingy scale, as it were, than spray paint guy.
0: (sighs) Yeah, and in terms of where this falls in the timeline, I'm pretty sure this is so... Obviously, you know, Daniel has died and Regina has married uh, Snow White's father because her mother died, though it seems like it's kind of a loveless marriage. And it, I think Regina is still harboring resentment yeah. towards Snow White at this point because let's remember Snow White is the one who told Cora about Daniel, so she's hated her ever since for that. And so we're not exactly in the stages of her... The father hasn't died yet. He just happens to be away for this episode. And so it's very much a one-sided rivalry at this point and we'll find out later that regina is the one to actually dispatch deadeye and the rest of the bandits in order to get the villages to turn against snow white which is a very i feel like that's more that's something more out of game of thrones than once upon a time but regina has shown levels of complexity like that before but as snow tears out of the the palace and she runs through the forest trying to ignore the, her, the priorities and the, the subjects that need her. She falls into this giant pit. And I know this is a, a trap sent by hunters, I think they say. But how how do you, with medieval technology, dig such a deep hole? Because that thing looked like it was down like 20 or 30 feet. Shovels. Uh, I guess that's true.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, it, was, it was actually, I, I probably was more amazed at how perfectly round it was than by how deep it was. <laughs> um, but I actually, is this bad? I like rewound. Probably three times just to watch that face plant because it was actually for me kind of comical. Like it was v- very well executed that the dive into the hole. I was like, it's like, "I gotta see that again." That was fun.
0: Yeah, it's it's it was very gifable. and yes. hopefully someone is, has made a moment of it. But uh, so you, you would think she'd be trapped down there for a while, a la you know half the storyline in Apocalypto. But she is saved by a sword and by a man attached to that sword. It is Hercules, um, and they basically catch up or introduce themselves. And this this is where things get interesting here, Kurt, because Hercules talks about his 12 trials, which is part of the Greek mythology of Hercules, but it is not part of the Disney story of Hercules. Now, obviously there have been a lot of deviations from the Disney plots for a lot of these characters. I mean, the story of snow white specifically is a lot more complicated than it was in the Disney version, but (laughs) I feel like this is one of the biggest deviations from a Disney plot that we've seen in a long time, especially considering that these are supposedly one-time characters.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like, if you look at historically, where Dis you know Disney is the Disney company is kind of a master at repurposing content. Anyway, I mean Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Hercules were not original Disney stories, but they have kind of retooled them for their own purposes to some extent. And so, I think with lots of these, they can get away with referencing the original content as well as referencing uh, some of the Disney story of the content. Um, yeah. I mean, think about this. There's very few Disney properties that were original Disney properties, even if you go into Peter Pan and Mary Poppins. Um, So it's I I wasn't and I'm much more familiar with the Greek mythology and the 12 labors of Hercules. I mean, that's what labor of love was the title of the episode, Um, which does sound, though, like a good bachelorette spinoff. Like maybe it's like a bachelor choosing from like 12 pregnant bachelorettes or a pregnant bachelorette. Choosing from twelve bachelors, I was um,
0: thinking like a, a bachelor chooses from uh, ten
1: indentured servants. Okay, that you could go that way as well. Um, but I, that didn't—that wasn't an issue at all for me. In fact, like one of the things, I, reasons I liked the uh, the Greek myth of Hercules as a you know a demigod was kind of these these twelve tasks, these twelve labors. Uh, he talks about the Nemean line, but I know sort there, there was um,
0: uh, you know cleaning out the the stables. <laughs> that's, and, that's the one I always remember for some reason is that he had to stables. shovel a lot of poop. That's the only one I re- All this grandiose <laughs> I, and, and mythical nature of these Greek yeah. stories. And the one thing I remember Hercules doing was shoveling a bunch of dung.
1: I believe he had to slay a hydra as well, but I believe he didn't sho- I believe he ended up um, uh, diverting a river to clean out the stables. I don't think he ended up actually having to shovel anything. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's talking about, he, he wants to, you know, Meet his father as well, and he'd only can do this to ascend to Olympus is to complete these 12 labors. And he's he shows off his his merit badge blanket yeah, uh,
0: match game, <laughs>
1: yes. I, I wrote down boy boy scout, boy scout merit badges. Yep, uh, he's got 11 of his 12 badges. Uh, we don't need those thinking badges, uh, oh, but I, he needs uh, 12. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> he's very close to becoming the uh, Greek Pokemon master.
1: There you go, uh, collect them all, and um, he yeah, he just has to. Uh slay Cerberus, the three headed hell beast that guards the gates of Hades, um which I think is also a deviation from Greek mythology here. It's like Cerberus traditionally i believe guarded uh the gates into uh the underworld he wasn't necessarily patrolling the underworld and making sure that all of these souls stayed there um yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so yeah, he confesses that that's kind of where he's at, and they kind of trade their own parental stories and their own uh issues with what they are kind of dealing with in life right now
0: yeah and i do love that hercules basic logic with helping snow white is like well i have to do this one more thing but uh i got i got i got a few minutes to kill yeah sure i'll help i'll help train you and give you confidence
1: that's fine he he, he does kind of say that he's it's almost like he recognizes that if he is you know ascends to olympus that uh you know things are going to completely change and so like he's kind of enjoying his last moments on the you know with amongst the mortals and he's he's found this young lady that he enjoys spending time with.
0: Yeah, very true and I could definitely see the the sparks going between them and you know, I could definitely understand the relationship that Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas have and I understand Mary Margaret and David have a very wholesome love between them but I mean there there is a part of me this episode that was like, oh man, imagine like, you know, what if what if Snow White had gotten with Hercules? What what would the story be like? Uh
1: I mean, I don't think, I don't
0: think, I don't think Hercules is exactly Mr. Personality, but you know, you, you often, you know, want what you can't have. And so you, you, I think sometimes like, Oh, it would be, it would be interesting if they sort of explored that plot again, that would be probably a little bit on the soapier side. That what once upon a time usually does. And again, this is a show that did a mysterious pregnancy plot. Uh, but they usually don't do much outside of that, but that might be a step too far if they ended up having Mary Margaret be, uh, I, you know uh, trying to betray her marriage to David by hooking up with Hercules especially especially considering the age difference
1: well yeah that's the thing it's like uh, if you look at Hercules in flashback compared to young Snow White versus Hercules in uh, Underworld Storybook compared to uh, older Snow White it's like I'm trying to, like neither really feels like it's an appropriate age gap for me <laughs> Like, yeah. I think both are violated both violate the half plus seven law for me in, in terms of uh, just how I'm conceptualizing things
0: well um, you know in the in the underworld it's like dog years right is it one year in the underworld is like is three years on the above world uh
1: 21 years if you're Cerberus I think I think it's like one to seven <laughs> normally one to 21 if you're Cerberus
0: oh man uh, good luck that dog cannot find anybody yeah the
1: um but it, this does kind of also help, though, answer the question, or at really partially answer the question of how Snow White became skilled in the ways of weaponry and combat.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and actually, the writers I think said for a long time, like it's a question that we constantly batted around the the writers' room was, okay, Snow's a badass in the enchanted forest, but how did she learn to become you know such a skilled uh, fighter and and uh, archer when? She's really raised to be a princess, and they sort of address it here in this episode. So I'm glad they got to tick that box. But it doesn't go so well for her on her on her first attempt here, as you know, the dead eye and his bandits are are ravaging a village, and she tries to be badass, but then she completely bungles the attempt. She spills the arrows everywhere, and then Hercules, <laughs> one of the most goofy badass moments I've seen in a while, causes an earthquake by just punching the ground, and everyone gets scared and runs away. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of strange because it's like, you know, he could handle this on his own, but it's, I understand this is a, this is a teachable moment and he's just kind of observing. It's like a, you know, driver's at instructor, like he's got the brake that he can pump if he needs to. But he's going to let her take the wheel and see how this goes, um, which makes me think.
0: Oh, though, like, I like that. So basically that it's, it's like a driver's ed car and he has the second set of brakes. Yes. So exactly. when she's about to careen into traffic, he slams on the brakes, metaphorically speaking.
1: Oh, oh, almost literally. Um, <laughs> the, the, which is funny, though, because like any future interactions that she has with the bandits where he's present, they're probably still more worried about him than her. And, st- but the, and, but st- and so there's going to be some concern regardless. But yeah, he, he put, everyone falls off and it's like your boyfriend won't be able to protect you forever. Um, but we, yeah, we find out that the, you know, the bandits were hired by Regina and you said this was kind of a, a Game of Thrones-esque approach where, um, what she wanted these, the villagers to lose confidence in Princess Snow. Uh, I don't think they were ever going to hate her. But at least she did have the forethought. I was like, I can't just kill her because that would turn her into a martyr. So don't don't kill her, bandits. Uh, I don't know. It was it was kind of a strange approach to defeating your nemesis if you're Regina.
0: Yeah, she didn't want to kill her as much as she wanted her reputation to be killed. And I mean, I I do feel like Regina, even though she has this evil streak to her, I feel like she has more uh, she has more usefulness overall as a ruler because I think as much as as many arrows as Snow White can shoot, Regina can come up to them and say, "Hey, look, I'm magic." So I'm more powerful. I can help protect you, you know, and sort of like we can kind of compare her and Hercules in that manner in terms of at least the way Regina is coming off to Snow White is, okay, you you try to take care of this yourself. You try to be the leader that I know you can be. Granted, her meaning is not that completely at all. Rather, she wants her to fail in her mission. But I sort of like the parallels there where Snow White is being tested by her elders slash the people that are more knowledgeable in these things than she is, and she's she's really failing at every opportunity here. But Hercules kind of gives her a pep talk and says that failing is actually good in this moment.
1: Yeah, although, and you know, you know, head, heads up, listeners, this is where you can correct me in the comments and on Twitter. Uh, is this a point in the in the show where where is in the timeline where Regina has her magic powers?
0: That's a good question. I think so. It might be right. I, I, she definitely. Experiment with their powers a little bit i think uh but I, this might be before she actually goes under rumpelstiltskin's tutelage again feel free to correct us but i think that's where it lies in the timeline that
1: was the that was the impression i got um because it almost seemed like you know the more she studied with rumpelstiltskin the more she uh wore black pointy gowns <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so you, you can almost uh, plot her trajectory plot her trajectory along the uh, path of dark magic uh, by which she's wearing. And she's still pretty... I mean, yes, it's darker tones here, but it's still kind of pretty soft. Uh, And I I thought we would have potentially seen some magic in the episode, or that she would have tried to use magic to uh, help this plot along in some way. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. But she did not use magic, and she she was having the bandits do her dirty work. And they weren't... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I she was <laughs> wasn't, they, and the bandits weren't terribly, you know, succeeding terribly well at this point.
0: Well, if I was that bandit, I would ask for a raise, especially after I saw a man like punch the ground to cause an earthquake. I would say, "Hey, look, lady, there's a good chance that this guy is going to like punch me in my face, and my face is my body is going to implode on itself as a result." So. You know, I value my life too much to to you know settle for the price that we we eventually figured out. I'm gonna need a raise at this point. It's the uh,
1: Deadpool edit of Once Upon a Time.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that much requested Deadpool edit of Once Upon a Time.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, they might be uh, operating under under their pay grade, or this mission is above their pay grade at the, yeah. at the moment. But I don't know if they necessarily put two and two together.
0: Absolutely. What did you think of Hercules, you know, big speech to Snow White saying, you know, giving this his story about him fighting the lion and how he said he actually ended up succeeding through failure by it seems like he accidentally dropped his torch, which sort of set his surroundings on fire, and it turned out that this impenetrable coat that the lion had burned off and he was able to uh stab it as a result. I mean, did did you think that he did a good job of explaining this sort of motto of uh like going up through going down at the same time?
1: I do. I mean I I actually liked the the analogy, the idea of you know fail forward and you know sometimes you you the only way to get to success is through a, a forest of failure. Um and, no, actually, I actually actually thought it was a good uh, analogy, a good equivalent. Um, although I think in the actual 12 labors, he had to wrestle the Nemean lion, and there wasn't actually any uh, 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 weaponry involved. But uh, that's neither here nor there.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, theoretically, then, if he was going by that, he should have just waxed the lion if he knew that, that, was the, that was the easy thing to do. I like it, though. I'm, I mean, I'm personally of the belief of, like, you know, if you fail or if you get something wrong, it's a learning experience either way. So I was very much in line with what they were saying. And so is and so is Snow White as well as she kind of gets a take two here in order to defeat the bandits. And she's able to even though she misses uh, shooting the arrow the first time, though, I think that was a little bit on purpose to sort of uh, trick them a tiny bit. She's able to impress the bandits a little bit, so much so that the villagers are sort of roused as well and they help kind of surround the bandits the bandits realize they're outnumbered and they say well again this is above this is above my pay grade i'm getting out of here and hercules says you know you're good i don't need to train you anymore uh snow wants to join him but she must serve her people and they share a kiss which again i was even though i saw the chemistry between these two actors i was surprised to see an actual kiss
1: yeah, I mean, we, there's a little bit of a tease to it, like, you know, in the whole thing that sparks this this flashback where, uh, uh, you know, we even see David saying to Mary Margaret it's like, oh, you used to uh, be going out with Hercules. How am I supposed to take that? Like, how can I how can I compare it to a god? Uh, demi god, demi god. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. It was again, there was just. Yeah, you know, Hercules was like, for me, just occupying this strange middle ground where there was nobody in the town for him that I think I would have felt comfortable with.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, except for Meg, who except just happened Meg. to... to yeah, happen, yeah. And we can talk a little bit about whether like they're fated lovers or if it's more of a coincidental thing and why Meg was trapped underneath there. Was it sort of to get back at Hercules? I'm sure we can sort of postulate about that later, but let's jump to the moment that you're talking about where they're back at the graveyard. Uh, it seems like Snow White is going through her requisite half season storyline of I don't feel confident in myself but at least they told this story a different way here they were able to tie it into the flashback a little bit and Snow is very taken by as you said finding Hercules' grave be Hercules she yes, a- <laughs> i was gonna ask about that i i was like wait i again i I've, I've fortunately not been to many graveyards in my life kurt so i don't exactly know if it's uh a, a a style across the board with these graves to have the v's or the U's read like v's but i was definitely thrown off by that at first that was just
1: that was more just an homage to like how you will commonly see greek uh lettering uh or like the, i think although i think i associate it more with with, you know, Greek has its own set of letters. I associate it more with, with Roman uh, script where you'll often, they just see kind of them swap in the, uh, you know, Vs for U's because they were just, you know, a little bit easier to carve, I think. <laughs> so
0: uh, Herc, Herc Fively's?
1: Herc, yeah, there you go, Herc <laughs> um, uh A little bit like how, like, the, was it that, uh, they used to use F's for S's in like yeah, the Revol-
0: a, yeah, colonial in times. Or Shakespearean time. If you read his first folio, which is like supposedly his notes, his the direct way that he wrote his scripts, he, his F's look like S's and vice versa. So it makes things very confusing when you're reading it for the first time. But yeah, that was a little detail that I, I picked up as well, but you know, Mary Margaret sees past the possible grammatical error on the, on the grave makers part. And he, she figures, wait a minute.
1: He must have unfinished business. Take a (laughs) shot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Unfinished business. Wait, if he's here, he can help us find Hook, which he doesn't he doesn't really do that at the end of the day. But I guess he knows someone unintentionally who can help find Hook. So I guess good on him. He well, we don't know that he
1: knew her (laughs) like the fact that he knew her didn't help because they found Meg on their own. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, that's true so he just he just happened i mean i guess he was there he, to face down cerberus and yes. it just happened to be coincidental that the per the thing that's guarding where hook is is also the creature that hercules needed to face for his unfinished business exactly
1: it's like with basically without hercules they wouldn't have cleared the guard uh to uh, where Hook was being held captive. I think that's yeah. what what we're what we're getting at here.
0: Absolutely. Meanwhile, we have Henry and Emma and Regina and Robin. They're walking through the forest and surprise, surprise, they can't find Hook. And Regina uh, talks about an object that I'm sure you would like, Kurt, is schematics of the entire town uh, to show the layout, every nook and cranny. And she figures, you know, if this is Bizarro Storybrooke, then maybe the same type of plans are in the mayor's office. And so Robin says, all right, I'm a thief. I'm going in there. And Regina says, you know what? Can you take Henry along? I just, I feel like you two need to bond a little bit.
1: Yeah, it was, this was kind of a strange pairing that we don't really, we have enough characters here that we think we've seen all the combinations, but like with the moment that that we kind of set out here. So this was kind of a, I mean, I'm sure they have been paired up at some point before, uh, but it it kind of seemed like a new pairing here. It seemed like an odd pairing.
0: Well, it seems it's interesting because I like the pairing, but unfortunately, because of the other stuff, they didn't really get into the two of them as a relationship, which I feel like they should. Because yeah. I mean, it's an awkward situation. This is the new guy that's dating your mom. You know, I feel like even in real life, that's kind of an awkward territory to step around. And so, it, w- it would have been nice to see some interaction between the characters. But no, it's it's going event, but we'll, we'll definitely talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but as they head off, Regina turns around and finds that Emma has found a clue. Uh, Uh, Though a much grittier version of a blues clue, I guess it's uh, (laughs) a, she finds a trail of blood that leads to Meg, the girl from the first scene,
1: (laughs) a prison girl, as I have her in my notes. And so we (laughs) learn officially she is Meg
0: PG. Yes. Uh i d I'm trying to remember, did did she get injured at all in the first scene that would have led her to to, you know, give this trail of blood? I
1: was wondering the same thing. I had that as a question. I was like, how did she maybe she scraped herself in the mines or the tunnels or, or what have you? Or there's uh maybe maybe uh Hook bled a lot on her and she was just <laughs> kind of sopping it up and trail trailing it behind her. But as I, was like, yeah, oh, you know I guess so. I'll I'll okay. I'll, I'll buy it maybe because she um, could have been, been injured from a previous escape attempt that we didn't really see
0: maybe she's a hemophiliac and she just like nicked herself on a thorn or something and just bled her way throughout the forest oh let's hope not <laughs> hopefully not uh and we don't want any, any hemophiliacs here in once upon a time especially in the, in the underworld where i'm sure blood is very important on this show uh but she happens to uh, you know despite the blood loss she remembers her mission. She finds Emma. She says she knows where Killian is, um, and then they suddenly hear a roar. And Emma poofs them away to the loft. And this presents a really interesting facet of the underworld here, Kurt, which is apparently with some people, their they can their properties that are the equivalent of the properties they have in Storybrooke that are here in the underworld are kind of unoccupied at least in the case of the loft which is a little depressing to say well this loft is here waiting for your parents until they die yeah it's
1: we can hang out here it's it's just it's kind of uh on hold and i mean that's also assuming that uh mary margaret and david are going to die with unfinished business i mean let's get real it's probably going to happen um I think all of our main cast, you know, there's probably be unfinished business. Uh, if any of those characters do pass away. Uh, but yeah, it was a little bit creepy, but it also at least lets them know, Hey, no, we could probably hang out here.
0: Yeah. So I'm wondering, does this business, does this building logic apply to the rest of the town though? Because I mean, by that logic, the mayor's office should be Regina's, right? But we saw Cora occupying it. So if, even if it's someone else's property, can you walk into it or is it designated for them specifically? I'm just really intrigued by this now.
1: See, for that, to, to me, the mayor's office was an office of a uh, government position. And so technically, uh, somebody had to fill the office of mayor of this town and Cora took it upon herself or was appointed by Hades. Uh, but if you actually went to the... Uh, I I'm I'm, I'm, don't think that Cora lived there well again again where does cora live
0: yeah well we never we don't know maybe she maybe she lives in regina's house as well though we barely i don't think we've seen regina's house for the pat for this entire season at all maybe maybe i'm wrong about that but i feel like regina's home, home away from home is basically the office more than it is her actual home at this point true so they even though they they sort of just kind of say okay to that fact uh meg basically talks to them about Okay, you know, Hook is in this in this chamber on in a series of underground tunnels. Uh, He helped me escape. And then she sort of describes Cerberus here, a three headed beast that can crush your bones in a single bite. Uh, And she says, you know, nothing can defeat it. But Snow and David are very confident that she can. And their first stop is the second appearance in a row of the blind witch. Yeah, she's
1: gotten more uh, th- more FaceTime uh, than I think she did in the her her first go around So I'm pretty she sure she was in one episode.
0: Yeah, yeah she was in. <laughs> I think she was in a grand total of like seven minutes in that one True North episode. So good on her that they, that they decided to randomly bring her back. And again, I have not seen True North in a long time. Here, I can't remember if she had the power of omniscience. I know she had very heightened senses, like because she was blind. I think she could like smell Hansel and Gretel when they came in, but I don't remember her being having this power to like know where hercules is
1: and we don't really know officially that she does here either she just basically says oh yeah he comes in every day for lunch so like it really becomes actually a useless point on whether or not she does actually have this power
0: yeah and i do appreciate again because season one was so long ago i do appreciate regina sketching in a little bit of the history between them uh for those of you that don't remember regina uh sort of kind of blackmailed or or sort of held uh Hansel and Gretel's father captive in exchange for them going to the blind witch's house to get the poison apple from her to so that she could, you know, make that thing that eventually puts Snow White to sleep. And so they do and they trap her in the oven like the story and Regina is the one to actually kill her. So clearly there's some bad blood between them. They're not uh, she's not joining Regina's squad anytime soon. No, not at all.
1: This is this is not going to be another kind of uh we're not going to have a coven of witches here
0: definitely not uh but the witch at this time is at least able to give off the location of hercules which is down by the dock yeah. uh what did you think about the choice to make hercules a dock worker in the underworld i'm living on a prayer going through my head uh when, when,
1: when hercules when, when, works
0: on the docks <laughs>
1: Thank you. i wasn't gonna do it but god bless you mike bloom <laughs> um but that, i mean that's what i'm saying is that like uh, for like the the flashback, and I completely wrong, the flashback sequences, I get the impression I, I, I feel like, and I'm not going to get the, I'm probably not going to get the age of the, the actor correct, but for like, I, I, I always looked at the flashback sequences as like a 21 or a 22 year old being really interested in Someone who, to me, presented as like a 15 year old. And then the flash forward instances when he meets up with Mary Margaret, again, I'm looking at like a 21 or a 22 year old who's like interested in somebody who's like in their like, you know, early to mid 30s. And so it's like he's occupying this like appropriate this limbo that I'm just like glad that Meg fills that gap, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I I didn't get a, a twenty-one to twenty-year-old vibe from Hercules. I got mo- I got more of like a late teens, and it might just be because I think in the movie we see him progress to an age of that makes him look like you know he's big and strong, but he looks like he's in his thirties. So maybe it's that sort of association, but maybe it's just because I mentally willed her, him and Snow White together into this perfect oh. relationship that I that I thought he might be older.
1: Uh, it was that it was it was like that that new England, <laughs> it was that Portland Oregon outfit that he was wearing. Mike Bloom oh <laughs> uh, yes and,
0: um, the, perfectly representing the Pacific Northwest with his with his uh, his plush vest and that and that sweater the corded sweater um, yeah. the top chef
1: <laughs> reference a uh, podcast reference for anybody who's not with us um, but like you know he he looked like I like stepped out right like, right out of the pages of L.L. Bean uh, when he was like down being the, the dock worker um, so he that's I think that aged him up in my mind in terms of like where I was trying to place him uh, chronologically but but yeah he's He's hauling around anchors and big things of concrete, and he, uh, isn't that where Prince Eric works down there, too? Or is he more of a fisherman than actually a dock worker?
0: Yeah, I th- I, that's a good question. And actually, Rachel uh, asked asks us a question that kind of tied into this. She said, was Hercules building boats? And if so, could he be the one to help the heroes get back to Storybrook? I wouldn't go that far since we didn't see him actually work on boats. I would probably consider him like if he does sail, he's probably like a first mate or a galley boy. Uh, because, he, again, he's still pretty young compared to someone like Eric. So I could totally he's the guy who picks things up and puts them down. I could totally see <laughs> whoever the, the, the big dockhead is over at in Bizarre. Zaro's story, Brooke, to just recruit him to lift heavy objects and move things around.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And plus, he's not in the underworld anymore, so, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, God knows, maybe the maritime industry in the in the underworld has crashed now that their biggest worker has... Gone down here. I also love. I love when Once Upon a Time has this sort of subtle meta a- aspects going on, especially here when he still has to acknowledge. Like he's like, "Oh, you, you know, you look very young." She's like, "Yeah, well, I have a daughter now and a son oh, and felt, a grandson."
1: I <laughs> felt bad for him. I mean, I, I did feel bad for him. Um, but yeah, that's why he was like, i I'm, I, I, I'm glad Meg was there." <laughs> g- yeah, it g- gave him a plan B, a solid, yeah, a solid plan B.
0: Herc is not hashtag forever alone, so it's it's good he found his he found his one true love here. But Snow is here to not not just disclose her family tree and to catch up. She says, "Listen, we need to defeat Cerberus. You want to defeat Cerberus, and you can get the heck out of here." But he says that hero died, and she tries to, you know, in a, in a very much uh, switching of positions, she tries to give him a rousing pep talk as well. But we cut back to Hades' lair here. There was a weird detail that I noticed, Kurt. That I, I don't know if you did. When they first start with that first shot in Hades' lair, there were there were dual like blue and orange rivers there flowing was, into that chamber, and I wasn't sure what that was.
1: There were actually five. This I, I did notice this in the last episode. That looked like there were kind of five different colored rivers. Like there was blue, there was yellow. I believe there was red and green, and then probably another one. But no, yeah. In the uh, in the premiere episode for the mid season, the one we discussed last week, uh, there was very much kind of a if you kind of. To play with the whole pentagram as a sign of evil, pentacle, uh, and so like the number five and the five sided star and and whatever, uh, there were there were five look like flowing rivers of very distinct, very vibrant colors. Um, I couldn't remember if that was something from the movie, uh, but I was, it was kind of a even though I didn't know what it meant and I didn't know what it represented, I thought it was kind of an interesting, uh, an, an interesting visual. Uh, approach and concept. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm hoping to learn more about them. Like if, if there is some sort of tie into what's going on uh, with, with Hades and the underworld. But yeah, there's five of them.
0: Yeah, in the movie at least, the hunt the underworld was very muted. It was yeah. very dark tones, and even like that weird like river of souls that they had in the movie was very like dark green. And so I'm happy about it because I feel like even in the past couple episodes, the underworld is very red. It's you know it's like the color of Mars almost in terms of its rust color. And so it's nice to see some some peppy colors here and there. We even saw you know Mary Margaret wears her powder blue coat the entire time this episode, which actually I think the young Snow White wears a similar cloak as. Well well so that was a nice choice on the on the costume designers part Kurt, you can tell hook has lost a lot of blood at this point because he, he suggests the idea that i'm going to kill the lord of the underworld yeah and well he is it's funny because he
1: um i actually like the kind of the follow-up line you know hades kind of corrects him and says you know basically says "Hook, you know you can't kill me but i, I like i like hook's follow-up to Uh, to Hades basically I may not be able to kill you but I'm going to find out whatever was worse and I'm going to do that to you (laughs) that that I really really liked (laughs)
0: And I, I'm, ha- I'm happy with Hades two episodes in. I think Greg German uh, is a does a great job of you know he almost whispers some of his lines and he just he's very malevolent and this is not this is sort of in a similar way of being a sociopath as Arthur was last season but Arthur was very childish and loud whereas I feel like uh, Hades is very quiet and subdued but there's almost more of a menace in what he's saying there than Arthur just yelling his intentions out to the world. And we didn't get to see any blue hair this uh, episode, did we? Thank God, no. I think I really think, like I said last episode, I think they're just gonna they're gonna pull it out when he goes like Super Saiyan when he really goes aggro. And here he was fairly calm the entire time, even when he was talking down to Hook. Yeah, that's true. And I, I honestly, I didn't
1: mind the blue hair as much. I'm sure if you saw it in a freeze frame, like you did when the uh, last, yeah. th- that that's gonna make it. I mean, some CGI was not meant to be seen on pause. I mean, I think that's just the the simple truth of it. Like when we kind of when I saw it in full motion last episode, I didn't have too much of an issue with it. But it's also not something I think they need to necessarily trot out. You know, just, you know, keep keep Greg German in the suit and uh, just have him be uh, malevolent. Not the witch malevolent, but uh, just Uh, malicious. Speaking
0: of. Go ahead. Uh, speaking of the the cgi effects what were your thoughts on cerberus uh this episode did, did did it look good to you how does it stack up to the other effects that they do with creatures on once upon a time
1: um uh, we talked about what was the creature we talked about last episode the one that was uh, the the horned creature that the witches went up against the but not the Mal, Mal, Malboro. Oh, Ch- Ch- chernabog chernabog Thank you, Mike Bloom. Uh, Not as bad as that. I I was fine with uh, how fluffy was looking. So, you know, (laughs) I gave a thumbs up to three-headed Cerberus.
0: I, ironically enough, I believe Chernabog played a Satan-like creature in Fantasia. So, I don't know what I don't know what I I know Chernabog had yeah. a different role. I think it was a creature that was created uh rather than, you know, actually serving as the devil, but interesting how that ties in there. But let's get to the mayor's office because we have a really interesting scene that covers a wide variety of topics. The first is we were sad to not see her last week. We got her in spades this week and hopefully for a few episodes down the line. It is it is the return of Cruella DeVille in the flesh and the fur. I did
1: not. Uh, I don't know if there were previews that that talked about this or if there was casting spoilers that she was going to be back in more episodes. Um, but this was probably like I saw from the preview that Hercules was going to be in these in this episode. This uh, return of Cruella was probably my uh, favorite surprise so far of maybe this entire season, including the first half.
0: I yeah, I, so it, she was spoiled as returning at some point though. Again, I was confused because I thought she was along with a slew of other people that were called back for the one hundredth episode. So when she popped up in one hundred and one, which makes a lot of sense. Ha, uh, didn't even uh, think
1: about that. Good one.
0: Uh, I was I was surprised as well, just because I was like, oh, okay, are we going to see her down the line? And again, I I love what Victoria Smurf did with the character. I love how, you know, bat poo crazy that they just decided to write Cruella. And she definitely is here. I feel like she had one of the lines of the episode with, you know, I miss the real world and gin, basically, Uh, you know, whether you're talking about the drink or the character, I love any sort of association with gin.
1: The music, the gin, the glamour, the gin. I was like, (laughs) I, I saw it coming from a mile away, but I loved that it
0: happened. Absolutely. But it brings up something really interesting in this episode that really tinkers with the mythology here associated with the author. So Corella is in the mayor's office. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how she got in there because I think Robin says that Cora might have cast a protection spell yeah. on the door. So I'm not sure if they're in league together or if, you know, maybe is uh, in possession of some sort of, well, she does have the magic or, to uh, manipulate animals. Or but, Hades placed her in there. Yep. Yeah, that could be true as well. This could be a trick by Hades. But Corella reveals the fact that. Even though Henry broke the quill, he's still the author, but the, the entity of the quill of this magical spirit inside the quill has had died as well when Harry and Henry broke the wand. And so he resides in the underworld. And so Henry's new mission is to find the quill person and rewrite her story to basically say she never died and that way not only can she be alive but two birds with one stone or two dogs with one stone if you will uh her mom his or his mom emma would not have killed her so that emotion would not weigh heavy on her and his heart yes (laughs)
1: <laughs> and
0: you and <laughs> no it, I, I mean it, it's yeah. such an interesting thing i mean rachel yeah. asks us you know was there a person trapped in the author pen or what and i don't think it's that as much as it, if i can make a comparison i would say it's like an avengers age of ultron when they basically take the jarvis software and they conceptualize him and physicalize him into the form of the superhero vision i feel like it's more so that that he is sort of a a person that represents the magical energy that resides in the quill. Not necessarily there. It's not like Merlin trapped in the tree. There wasn't a person trapped inside the quill the entire time. Yeah. I think it's just a representation and of the magic that comes with being the author.
1: Was it where, where I kind of looked at it was that magical, um, enchanted items can sometimes have purpose and again, and like really powerful enchanted items. Uh, can, uh, sometimes almost seem to have a, a, a personality. And there's been some manifestations in in some pieces of fiction where, for instance, Excalibur uh, can talk. I mean, it's not in the the mainstream versions, but the the way that I had kind of looked at it, was there was enough magical energy stored within the pen. It had a very specific purpose, and to some extent, when you destroyed it, you that purpose lived on, and it had unfinished business, and so it kind of ended up here. What that remains for, I think, to be seen is is the quill itself here or is that magical purpose embodied in some sort of person? And they're actually looking for a person down here. Uh, so that's what I don't know the answer to, but, um, it, it, I, I'm wondering if this was the plan from the get go when the quill was destroyed or if they had to kind of figure out some sort of like workaround. Uh, I was like, well, this is this is where people and things go when they have unfinished business. And the, the the quill was meant to kind of be live or exist in perpetuity. So it's down here and we can get it back if we need it. You,
0: it would be interesting, actually, if the quill was represented by Merlin, because he's the he's the original. Uh, he's not he's not uh, he's the not the author. He's the sorcerer, but he mm-hmm. was the one that sort of created the quill and created the the author role and so it would be fun to bring back that actor that it's not technically merlin it's the spirit of the quill represented in merlin
1: you could definitely make the argument for that i mean in classic uh arthurian legend merlin was actually a druid and you know druids are about nature and life and energy and so if the quill was created by merlin it's very possible that it was created through some of his own life force and through some of his own energy so uh you know that could very well be i mean i mean help merlin could be in you know talk about someone with unfinished business merlin could be in the underworld for all we know um so it, but it would be interesting i i think i agree that if uh if i i can see the rationale for the the quill being embodied as merlin potentially here in the underworld that, that's a, a good theory that i will co-sign
0: yeah and i'm and i'm actually really happy about this storyline uh not only for the potential of more cruella but i, I feel like it, it gives henry something it, to do exactly <laughs> And and I I feel like the author was a really cool thing that they introduced last season that – they didn't really talk about it all in the first half of the last season, uh, or the first half of this season, I should say. I mean, the, Henry was kind of on the sideline for that stuff with all the Dark One stuff going on. And he basically says, hey, I'm powerless because I broke the wand. If that turns out not to be a thing and Henry becomes more magical as a result, I feel like that could be something really interesting that's added to the show.
1: It's kind of a Wizard of Oz. You've had the power to go home with you all along sort of thing, uh, <laughs> where, where it's like the, the quill is only an embodiment of the power of the author. And, or that there's, you know, it allows you to channel the powers of the author in a particular way but if you are you know, hired to be the author there's all these other benefits you get this 401k you can do this you can do that and we haven't necessarily explored the full possible range of what Henry's powers of, as author are which I think like you is a good thing it gives him something to do it also it isn't then the case where he was kind of given this mantle of author for a couple of episodes do absolutely uh, n- not absolutely nothing with it but do comparatively little with it and um, then kind of Destroy that power. It puts him back in the lead as somebody who can actually impact the world.
0: And Becca asks a sort of a corollary to this Is Robin Hood potentially the worst stepdad of all time, letting Henry go in that office by himself for forever? And I'll, we'll tie this into the sort of the last scene that ties up this storyline where Henry ends up exiting the vent and basically says, Hey, I didn't find anything. Uh, and I feel like, I don't know how long Henry was in there, probably no longer than a few minutes, but I feel like something has to be suspicious. And I'm sure Robin Hood might have been able to like, Hear voices on the other side, or maybe he was just so focused on, you know, what he was going to do with Regina later on that oh, he didn't no. even, he didn't even, he didn't even think about what was going on in that office.
1: I had the, I had the same thought as Becca though in terms of if if the time elapsed in the office, uh, if, the, if the time. Elapsed that henry was in through the vent and in the office before coming back if that was kind of commensurate to the amount of time that all of the other activities were taking place he was in there for a long while <laughs> yeah. and, I, and i choose not to think of robin hood as his stepdad i prefer to go up the, again the other branch of the family tree and it's his step great granddad in which oh, case God. in which case you potentially have a little dementia going on and you kind of pardon the fact that he's lost a little bit of track of time
0: Oh, God, that's uh, horrible news for the like man in his late mid to late 30s that he's already going through dementia, possibly. Yeah, it happens. Well, let's go to the mines here, and let's have our first attempted showdown with Cerberus, at least. And it sort of, again, runs parallel to Snow White's attempted first showdown with the, the bandits, where it doesn't really go so well. Uh, Hercules is sent down a path to find Cerberus, but he sort of drops his sword and runs away. Uh, and before everyone can t- sort of take it down... Hades calls it off, and for the first time, which, again, I didn't think that Hades would have encountered our heroes for a little while. I thought he would be more so in the shadows, a la Dr. Claw and Inspector Gadget, but (laughs) these two are sort of meeting face-to-face for the first time, and he is just as intimidating as he was to Hook. Yeah, yeah. It
1: surprised me a little bit that Herc went full Sir Robin and ran away as (laughs) as he he did. Brave Sir Herc ran away! Exactly, exactly. Um, And we, we do, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't seem as surprised to myself as Snow White was when, you know, Hades basically says to Hercules, oh, you thought you could face Cerberus again? And Snow White's like, again? And I was like, I had just kind of assumed this whole time that uh Hercules had either faced, had faced Cerberus and either won and there's some other reason he's here or lost and that's why he's here. Um So maybe that's just an assumption on my part. But uh, it's, I, I did, uh. I, I don't know, Hades, you know, started threatening some family members here and yeah. and kind of again, talking about a little bit of we talked last week about how kind of off putting the manifestation of Hook was at the graveyard in terms of like how he appeared. You know, Hades kind of kind of dramatically raising the uh, stolen Hook from Hook's hand. Uh, or hook's stump or however you want to say it. <laughs> we, that and it was bloody. It was it was a bloody hook there on the handle. Um so yeah, it was it was a bit ominous and a bit creepy and you know we we know that Hades has to be powerful and this is his realm but we don't exactly know the extent of that power yet or we haven't fully seen it. I feel like we've only seen him like maybe up to like a 3 or a 4 on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of what he can do.
0: Yeah, though I think again he's showing these flashes of intimidation especially in front of these people. I mean, he definitely impressed Cora last time by saying he knew her past as the Miller's daughter. Here he sort of again shows his omniscience by saying, "Oh, Snow White or isn't Mary Margaret?" And it's clear that he knows the yeah. past of all of these characters, even the ones that he never really encountered before.
1: I mean, it hasn't really it hasn't really been said to us. But, you know, one one potential theory is that Hades only has the power to directly impact the lives of the souls that are in his domain or of, of versus, uh, visitors who's, who still own their own souls, if that makes any sense. So the, you know, core who is arrived in Hades because who arrived in the underworld, I keep using Hades as both the name of the place and the name of the, <laughs> the God, which is you know true, but you know, Korra appeared in the underworld because she had died and Hook appeared in the underworld because he had died. It could very well be that, uh, you know, Hades has domain over them. But if somebody's passing through and they kind of own possession of their own souls, he may not be able to affect them directly and has to kind of manipulate matters. Uh, for instance, trying to get Cora to do something with these visitors. Um, that might be the route he has to go. We don't really know what the limitations are yet.
0: Yeah, and in terms of a Game of Thrones comparison, I feel like uh, Hades showing Emma the bloody hook is the same as uh, as, no, oh, who am I thinking of? Of, uh, of oh, who is? Roose Bolton uh, sending Balon Greyjoy, uh, his son's uh, you know what uh, in, in the mail as sort of a sign of saying like, hey, look, we got your guy and we're going to take him apart one piece at a time. And so uh it's probably not, you know, I wouldn't say his hook is his manly but I feel like it's it, it's something very similar in terms of like that's a very uh big, important icon of a hook. And considering that it's it's it definitely makes an impression on emma and we actually don't see too too much of emma for the rest of this episode which i feel like is unfortunate i would have loved to see her reaction to the fact that you know he for all we know hook could have been dismembered and is just lying in agony at the bottom of the library
1: that's an interesting point i think for, for a lot of um some of the actions and uh Responsibilities that normally would have been thrust upon Emma in an episode were really thrust upon Mary Margaret slash Snow White in this episode.
0: Yeah. It's and it's interesting because again, that's something that Snow White doesn't really have usually. Usually she's kind of because with Emma taking the big reins of the action after the curse was broken, she's really been relegated to the background of sort of the, the team charming cheerleaders. So It was cool to see her, again, take more of a leading role this episode, but it was sort of at the cost of seeing her daughter get much less screen time and sort of become the more woe-is-me, weeping widow type. Exactly, exactly. And it sort of ties into this whole scene with Regina as well where Snow is moping in the attic and Regina gives her this other pep talk, which I thought I really liked. Um, I feel like the Regina Snow White relationship is one that comes and goes in in short doses. And Regina helpfully reminds us of like, we had a really bad relationship to begin with. I tried to take, I took your kingdom. I put you to sleep. I ruined your wedding. And I cast a curse that separated you from your daughter for 28 years. (laughs) But now we're friends. And it's fun to like look back on that relationship and realize that, Even though it's had its drama, it's actually a much closer friendship than you initially think.
1: And I think, and this is actually, at least for me, and again, imperfect memory of all of the episodes we've watched. This is the first time that I feel, I remember Regina actually vocally acknowledging the fact that she is now friends with her mortal enemy.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that the, the, uh, the moment she was alluding to, I think was back in season three when they held that seance to bring up Cora to talk to her about like what's going on with Zelina. And I think that's when like Mary Margaret really came to terms with the fact that she killed Regina's mother and Regina was able to forgive her for that. But this might be the first time that she actually, I agree vocalizes, Hey, we're friends now. Yeah.
1: Which, which was nice, which which I think, you know, it officially, you know, puts the, uh, the, the end and they live happily ever after, at least in terms of the, the story of these two being mortal enemies and, I, I don't foresee and, you know, knock on wood, I don't foresee a season where Regina goes back to being the, you know, the evil queen and going after Snow White uh, for what she did to her true love. I, I, think, no. I think that's in the past.
0: No, and I think it's it's really emotionally complicated as well because of the decisions that Snow, might ha- Snow White has made thereafter. I mean, let's remember... Last year at this point in time, um, Snow White and Charming admitted to their daughter that they did something that's pretty unforgivable and that they basically gave up Maleficent's daughter in exchange for her safety. And Emma was pretty furious. And I don't remember Regina's exact reaction, but I could assume that Regina was probably more copacetic with it because she realizes the sacrifices you have to make for your children's safety. I feel like they're sort of unified by that parental bond sometimes, too.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, the parental bond, the fact that then one like is the grandmother to the other's son and, uh, and the great grandmother to the other's grandson. (laughs) I don't, uh, but yeah, they, they've, they're, they're so intertwined now that they can't be enemies.
0: Yeah, exactly. They they can't pull themselves apart. So, imbued with this new energy, uh, Snow White tries to convince Hercules to to take another stab at Cerberus, literally. But Hercules brings up this fact that he probably should have realized the first time, which is, hey, I died because I couldn't face all three heads all alone. And Snow White (laughs) says, well, you should have told me that for the first time because we could totally take them down together. We sent you in the mines alone because we thought you could handle it, but if you want us to face down all three heads, we can totally do that.
1: He's like the way I said, I never should have fought that beast alone. I'm like, well, there you go, Hercules. I think your solution just presented itself. And he was, <laughs> he was
0: known for his strength, not for his thinking, except for that time that he uh, cleaned out the stalls with the river. Yeah.
1: And then he, I think he had to get like a, a 32 on the ACT at some point as well.
0: Uh, um,
1: but the, uh, yeah, so we're going to fight, we're going to win. And, and again, this is where I think you would normally have thought, you know is Emma going to be involved in this um but no we've got Mary Margaret it was an interesting an interesting twist i'd like to see that
0: yeah so meanwhile while she's kind of giving this pep talk uh cerberus attacks them in the loft which i was sort of confused about did hades just sort of let him loose despite saying i mean he told them if you come you know threaten me again then i'll sort of you know leash out at you but they didn't do anything. It seems like he just sort of waited a certain amount of time and then sent Cerberus after them again.
1: True. And, and it's not like... Uh, uh, and maybe Cerberus was just doing his natural duties of uh, trying to, uh, you know, go after the prisoner. Like, he wasn't necessarily going to attack the family. He was going after Meg, potentially.
0: Yeah, that could be that could be true as well, though. Again, I, I wonder why a significant amount of time past then. Uh, but they do, you know, they get chased out of the loft too bad. It looks like if David and Mary Margaret die, they're going to have to do some reconstruction because that loft is pretty much destroyed. Yeah. And everyone sort of unites on main street and, uh, it ends up being snow white, Hercules and Meg in the, in the clock. In the clock tower slash library with the lead pipe, with the lead pipe, yeah, that was fun. Uh, it's the lead pipe, the dagger, and the bow and arrow, I guess. And they basically give Meg a super quick pep talk of like, "Hey, I know you're super scared for your life, but can you do us a quickie and help out with this?" And it's successful. They all strike three heads at once, and Cerberus—that's all that needs to happen. And Cerberus just disappears in black smoke. Though, as you alluded to before, all they needed to do was just play a song, and Cerberus would have gone to sleep with enough time for them to sneak out. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, as they were in the library, you know, Meg kind of runs off and then they all go into the library. Um and I was like, well, they just need one more person and I wasn't even like thinking that Meg would be the one to help them. Um I was like, well, just go get uh you can maybe get get David to help you or or you know, maybe Emma can help here. Um but yeah, no, you know, Meg did a good old that was a that was a Walking Dead zombie kill quality stab of dagger to the head. And yeah,
0: I was I was wondering exactly, and maybe we'll you know hopefully Meg will reappear at least so we can find out what her backstory is a little more because we found out zero stuff about her aside from the fact that at you know she she got killed by Cerberus and at some point Hades trapped her and that's all we know about her. But I would love to know like does she know how to fight because the Meg in the movie at least was pretty unctuous. She had a little bit of a verve to her. Yeah, she wasn't as.
1: Um, what's the
0: word I'm looking for?
1: She wasn't as much of a shrinking violet uh, as we saw here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But they they succeed, and Meg nearly fades from the excitement, and she formally introduces herself, and Hercules and her kind of hit it off. And we get a sort of a rare thing here, Kurt, where a regular scene is going on, and there's just flashes of a flashback where they sort of have this weird sense memory thing, a la Lost season six, and they say, you know, have we met before? And then Herc says, you know. I think we have, and it flashes to basically the two of them running into each other in the enchanted forest. And basically Meg just says, well, yeah, well, Cerberus killed you. And then he killed me right after.
1: Yeah. They were standing next to a vending machine in granny's and, uh, it was a full lost moment. Um, but I yeah. thought there, I thought there was something in, in the last episode that was also kind of a, a flashback within a scene that we were like, okay, good. Good thing because that, the whole color tone helped tell us that this was a, a flashback or it was kind of... was uh, it was Bell and Gold. It was, last, e- it was, Belle it was Gold. last
0: episode with, yeah, with Bell and Gold, which is with, another correction. Thank you guys for correcting. I, I um forgotten that Henry had told Bell what was going on and she actually came back and she wasn't mad about you know, what Gold had done as much as Happy had, how selfless he was in, in being forced to go down to the underworld. But I'm sure we'll talk about that next week, which is a Gold-centric episode. So everyone's recovering in Grannies. I don't know where the blind witch is, but uh, maybe she's making her requisite lunch for Hercules. Oh,
1: Mary Margaret's. Okay, so there's, there's, I had like one really, really cringe scene in this. It's, yeah. It's where <laughs> they're all at the counter and they, and then looking over at Hercules and Meg, and David says, it looks like Herc made a new friend. And Mary Margaret says, maybe Cerberus wasn't his only unfinished business. I'm like, oh, oh, that's just like, there's all sorts of like context and, and, uh, uh, oh there's there's so much context underlying that statement that i just was cringing
0: yeah well it also brings up this point that we brought up before of like were they are they destined to be in love i mean i don't i don't really know if she was his unfinished business but again this is a show that also revolves around the idea of fate sometimes and how maybe it was sort of along with greek mythology written by the oracle that he had to find this girl and maybe it was his unfinished business and now his story can end
1: yeah i mean we we like we're they shortly after this, we see them at the sorting pit and I believe they joined hands when they walked across the bridge. Right. So I, I, I'm thinking that they are probably together and who knows, maybe we do get a flat. Do we want to jump ahead to that? I mean, the only thing really in between, you know, Mary Margaret says that she wants to be a little bit more snow white and kind of, you know, rekindle some of the snow whiteness in her. Um,
0: We've already talked about Henry coming out of the vents. Um, I, was, I was just sorry. I just thought of hashtag Oscars Snow White, and I just started laughing. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I, I do want to talk about that briefly because okay, let's do, let's do it. uh, because I, it's I think it's the show wanted to be more significant than it actually was because if there was some sort of connection to the snow white name, I feel like they would have said it. Um, I feel like she she should have said something before of like, I'm not snow white, you know, snow white means this, this, and this. I always thought it was just her name, you know, or she in the fairy tale, I know she was named snow white because like, you know, she, her skin was as fair as snow or as white as snow or something like that. Um, But, her kind of saying, "Oh, by the way, I'm going by uh, I'm going by Snow White now," which I was fine with because I would call her Snow in my notes anyway. But I feel like that was just sort of like uh, they tried to put an exclamation point on the end of this sentence, and they kind of just put a weak period on it. Uh, at least that's the way it came off to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's interesting. I always just, like her name is I think they she was referred to as Princess Snow. And I always just you know took Snow White as her name. But here, I think we do have like a dichotomy of you know Mary Margaret was always a little bit more timid than uh, the Almost like two opposite sides of the same coin. I think the Mary Margaret was a little bit more the nurturing, timid side of the the personality, whereas Snow White was the more go get him side of the personality. And lots of times you see them both present. But I think she maybe just was feeling that she had been slipping a little bit more into what was typically Mary Margaret. Uh, versus and, and moving away from Snow White, but they're very much in a situation now where she needs to rechannel some of those things that classic Snow White embodied. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was a nice sentiment, but um, uh, yeah, it just was kind of, it kind of happened, but uh, I think it's, it's a, it's a, at the very least, hopefully it's momentum going forward for there to be a little bit more actiony stuff for Snow White to do.
0: Yeah, poor David. I could imagine the rest of the conversation went, okay, and you can call me Prince Charming, right? And she's like, well, no, you're fine being David. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just, he's, well, then maybe that's the next thing is we had to find some stuff for him to do.
0: Yeah, so let's get to the sorting pit. Um, so Meg succeeds. She provides the map for Emma to follow to get down to Hook, which is exciting. We, As we said, we might be uh, getting in before our deadline here in terms of Emma finding Hook. Uh, so they, they Hero, uh, not Hero, well, Herc is a Hero, but him and Snow White embrace, and they join hands and they walk into the light, and we see the image of Mount Olympus, which there is a castle on the cloud, uh, and they, they like to go there, not in their sleep. Uh, Which was interesting, but I feel like, again, I feel like we have unfinished business with these characters, Kurt. And I feel like maybe... Because they're going to Mount Olympus, I have this weird theory that maybe they can call upon them as sort of a deus ex machina now. Where, Literally. If they, yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally, where if they need help from Mount Olympus to combat Hades, they can go through Hercules. And I, again, I know Greek mythology is very much about calling upon the gods and the gods in communication with mortals a lot. I don't know how that's going to carry over to once upon a time, but I feel like it's plausible.
1: You know, that's, that's true. I mean, I, we did get the nice kind of a trope of, uh, the, the afterlife kind of being whatever it is that you think the afterlife is like custom, almost being like customized for yourself. So I wasn't at all surprised to see Mount Olympus there. Uh, but we did kind of brush over the fact that, you know, Hades is Hercules' uncle. I yeah. mean, Zeus and Zeus and Hades are brothers and Zeus is, uh, Hades, or sorry, Zeus is Hercules' father. Um, and again, I think I talked a little bit last week about, you know, in, classic Greek mythology, Hades isn't necessarily an evil creature. He's, or an evil being. He's, you know, the one that oversees the souls of the dead and it's just his job. Um, so, but I could potentially see a situation where if Hercules has ascended to Mount Olympus, if, you know, if there's word that things are getting a bit out of hand in the underworld, it's probably not unknown for the gods to, you know, take care of business. I could see Zeus sending, hercules on a quest to go back to the underworld and set certain things right or to do or for a very specific task so i think it would almost be like a literal deus ex machina uh like like you had said so i, I was a little surprised that that megan hercules went on to their next reward um and we did see that the the clocks tick ahead uh, or as i have in my notes the talks clicked ahead um <laughs> yeah well
0: it was, it was daylight savings time
1: There we go. <laughs> exactly they, they spring forward one minute in the underworld. Um, but so I was surprised to see that. But I guess, you know, we could potentially see Hercules come back uh, on, on a mission, a mission from God. Uh, um, <laughs> we uh, Meg, he could choose as his companion to join him. And then, uh, then you would potentially have a reason to have more of a flashback that's focused on those two, uh, where it explains a little bit more about their relationship uh, before they were both killed by Cerberus or to see if there's any sort of. Uh, other history between those two I, I don't know if we would see any history of them in the underworld because a i think a flashback from the underworld to a earlier scene in the underworld would be confusing um plus it seemed like they didn't really know each other and uh or had until they were kind of encountered in grannies and had that head to head but uh, yeah i'm not completely convinced i'd like to see them both again and i'm hoping we do
0: if they're on a mission from God, I really hope they perform Soul Man. That's all I would want to see if they come back. Uh, yeah, I I definitely agree. The one thing that I still have in terms of a big question mark on this whole storyline is I just want to know what Meg's unfinished business was. Was it as simple as just to find Hercules, to find this guy that, you know, to find misconnection? We ran into each other in the woods before we both got killed by the big dog. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I, I want to believe there's something more in that, though. It, it might just be that simple. I mean, you kind of ir- if Meg in 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 her
1: original life, Meg encountered Cerberus because she was trying to rescue somebody from the underworld. She gets killed by Cerberus, but she therefore has unfinished business, so goes to the underworld. But forgets what that bit business was originally, <laughs> and so now that she's out of the underworld, uh, potentially at Mount Olympus, she remembers that she did have this other unfinished business that she has to attend. I don't know. Maybe that, that's too much. Yeah. That's too that's too meta. Meta Meg. And, uh-
0: and I feel like there is sort of a a weird variety of, of um reactions here in terms of some people know exactly what their unfinished business was. King Henry last week didn't until you know he saw the light and he said, "Well, I guess Regina, I guess helping you was my unfinished business And it's interesting to say in this pit of despair, literally right. how people might contextualize theorize what their unfinished business might be if it turns out to be inverted in something completely different how that sort of modifies their reaction as a result
1: i mean it may be as simple as that she had the same unfinished business as hercules the fact that she was died and was killed by cerberus she could have very well been going to cerberus to kill him and i mean the fact that she had to work with hercules and mary margaret to kill cerberus i mean it could just be that they both had the same unfinished business and it just happened to be the same unfinished business that brought them to the underworld in the first place
0: so let's get to our big final scene here, Curtin. I'd say the top news story of this scene is that Hook has been given a mission. He's uh, on a mission from a god as well. Uh, basically, if the heroes carry forward with their mission and they keep saving souls, for every soul that they save, one of them must stay behind and Hook is going to be the one to choose who stays behind. Hmm.
1: I you know what? I was very I was very underwhelmed by this, to be completely honest with you. Like I I had to rewind it to say, wait, didn't you know is he saying like, okay, from here on out, or because they've because they've freed three souls, we now have to pick three of them? But no, he says from here on out, you know, those first three f- souls were freebies. Um so let's uh yeah, but if they do it again, then you have to choose something. Um I don't know this I mean this goes a little bit against my my theory that uh, hades wouldn't have control over the 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 long term soul life of people kind of transients visiting the underworld um but it it's almost like they're not really like if we were to look at the main story i-, I wouldn't necessarily say you know it seems like they've now got a map to the tunnels and how to free uh how to free hook um so potentially there's not really going to necessarily be any more side quests to save other souls. So, but the fact that it was raised means that it's going to become an issue. I mean, they're not going to hooks, not going to avoid this decision. There's going to be something that happens where a soul is freed and hook has to make a decision. It could be that he very well be that his is the soul that's saved and he has to make a decision, but um, they're not going, they're not going to Hades isn't going to give him this ultimatum and then it's have it, not be a factor in the story moving forward
0: i really like that uh that postulate that you just put out there of if Hook's soul gets saved and he has to be the one to pick which one of his saviors will get left behind i think that would really work I like the idea on paper, but I don't think anyone's going to be left behind overall. I'm, I'm sure they're going to find some sort of loophole or some sort of way to get everyone back to the real world. Just because, again, I think the last like main character that they quote unquote killed off on Once Upon a Time was probably Neil. Uh, because Hook, again, while he got killed off, he's not off the show. And I really doubt that they're going to make it, get a main character off the show at any point this season. And it's been renewed for a sixth season as well. So maybe if we hear rumblings of contracts not being renewed a la Dan Stevens on, uh, on Downton Abbey, maybe that might happen, but... I could see, you know, it happened a, few, a couple times and theoretically on paper, oh, so-and-so is left behind, so-and-so is left behind. But I'm sure once Hades is defeated and he will be and they make their way back to the real world, all that will kind of be negated. The the the
1: person was just hiding behind a dumpster the whole time. Uh, oh, boy. I, Where are the <laughs> balloons? Where are the balloons? Um, and that's I mean, that's the other thing is that, like, Hades is not classically a character that you defeat i mean it's it, the best you can do given his role is is convince him to just kind of chill out um so i i, I don't know it's um it, it'll be interesting and I, th- I like you i think there's going to there will be some sort of loophole uh, or maybe we maybe somebody uh maybe somebody else comes in that's a little bit lesser of lesser importance and they're convinced to stay behind um i don't know maybe just make it gold
0: it might be i mean he wasn't in this episode at all and i know a couple a couple of uh reviewers online have theorized that maybe he went back to the surface that he ended up taking that boat that Korra threw out there but i i very much doubt it i think he's just off on his own mission at this point
1: yeah i didn't realize till the very end uh that wait we haven't seen gold this entire episode interesting
0: yeah uh so let's let's play hook's role for a brief second here kurt before we finish things up becca asked us if you guys could pick three people to leave in the underworld who would it be and then i don't know if we can settle on three i definitely have one in mind do you have one in mind kurt are we talking about from our lives or from the show from the show (laughs) let's not make things personal (laughs) um and
1: do they have to be people who are there now is it amongst the crew that came
0: I, w- I would say yes for let's let's literally put ourselves in hooks hook right now and say these people have come to save you the current group that we have right now they save a soul we're allowed to pick one person to get left behind in the underworld who's it going to be for you so just one person just one person for right now
1: okay um and I can't do the option of staying behind and letting them all go no <laughs> uh, okay um <laughs> I would have to say who like I I'm again looking at that family tree and like who am I least connected to? I mean, Hooks, I Hooks actually, you know, the only person who's actually not literally connected to that family tree. Um, but assuming that his most direct connection is through Emma, I would say that uh it'd be very tempting to have Robin Hood stay behind. Yeah. Um uh at the same time, I mean, he's like, you know, if you let uh let Henry stay behind and then that becomes uh I don't. I don't know. Um, it, you know, it would depend. Like, if, if at the point, if at the, this point that this happens, if Henry does rediscover the quill and has all sorts of new powers, and we kind of figure out that uh, well, he might has the best chance to get back, given what we know about what he can do. I might go Henry.
0: Yeah, Emma's not. Gonna, would- Emma's not going to be
1: happy, but. <laughs>
0: I I would personally pick David if only just to see I would actually want the soul to be safe to be James and to have David stay behind just to see what would happen if we had James, this evil twin in the in the real world instead of David. Plus, I mean, Mary Margaret has had her time in the sun. David really hasn't since his bro down with Arthur uh, at the beginning of the season. Hopefully he'll have some time to shine here. But I don't know. I feel like, you know. He'd be the most innocuous member of the group in my opinion so far. So sorry to the Dallas heads out there. Uh, I, I might want to leave David behind.
1: Yeah, I was I was going for like almost like um last one in, first one out, and I was gonna have to get hood get rid of Hood, Robin Hood.
0: <laughs> so if you guys out there have any uh thoughts as to who you might leave behind or what Meg's unfinished business might be, or who or what the spirit of the quill might be here in the underworld you have a bunch of ways to reach out to us as always leave a comment here on post show recaps and while you're here if you haven't please subscribe to our once upon a time only feeds at postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes and we love those ratings and reviews more than we love Billy Joel and diehard references on this podcast you can always reach out to us on Twitter as well I'm at a Mike Bloom type Kurt is at Kurt Clark and while you're here on post show recaps check out all the other great stuff that's going on most shows recapped Sign. Uh, We have SNL. Game of Thrones is going to be coming back soon. And I'm assuming assuming coverage will be back there as well. Walking Dead, I think, is going to be finishing up its last few episodes soon. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, We are just getting started, as they say, here on Post Show Recaps. But we are just about to stop here. To finish things off, Kurt, we need a hashtag for people who have made it this far.
1: I kind of want to go with Herc Lees.
0: Yes, I do too. Just to acknowledge uh the possible mistake that the grave makers made. Uh Herc 5 Lees. Hopefully we were we were off we were a 5 out of Herc 5 Lees podcast yeah, this time. either
1: make it either change the V to a change change the the U in Hercules to a number 5 or spell out the word 5 and throw it in there. But either either way, we'll see. it.
0: I can't remember. You can you can use numbers and hashtags, yes, you can. right? You, just, you can't you can't just you can't uh, use punctuation. <laughs> I'm 110
1: percent certain on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, I love your work on Survivor San Juan del Sur. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, all right. So hashtag Herc five leads. you made it all the way to the end of this podcast. We will be back next week for some delicious gold on Hades action. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we will see you next week. And remember, if you're moving to your houseboat anytime soon in the underworld, uh, you're going to have to call another moving company. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.